CougarFan.com, Rice and Shout Podcast, episode 429. Get all of your BYU sports news at CougarFan.com and support the podcast at Patreon.com slash Rice and Shout. Matt, how are you doing there, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, did you got it better than us. N- nobody. Nobody. We're 2-0 ranked, if you care about such things. Um, did, did you finish watching The Mandalorian Season 1? I did. I certainly did. We are re-watching it in preparation for Season 2. Oh, that's right. Season 2 is upon us. Yeah, it comes out next month, so we're this re-watching it. This is the way. So we had our... our uh, uh, we we did not let the youngest two join us the first time through, and we decided to let them join. And our six-year-old daughter, as we start the first episode, about like ten minutes in, she looks up at me and she goes, Is this a show about a bad guy? That was her take on the first ten minutes of the first episode. Very interesting. And I Very said, interesting. You'll just have to keep watching, and of course... The ooing and aahing in episode two with uh, the child. Uh, the kids love the child. Who I will not call the other name because it doesn't make any sense. Because that's not who he is. No. No, you don't call him. You don't see one of my kids and call him Baby Adam. And I'm not saying it's Yoda's kid, by the way. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. All right. Baby Adam would yeah, be pretty funny, though. You're saying you, you don't see a baby human and just assume that it's you. Yeah, well, why would I? That's just stupid. Stupid. All right, right, Matt. Well, we got lots of questions. Listeners have questions. We've got lots of them. So let's climb on in the tweet bag. Tweet bag. All right. First one is off of Twitter. Of course, you can tweet at us at BYU underscore Rice Shout. It's from Todd at Todd and D on Twitter. He says, have you seen the latest insane Tom Cruise stunt? Matt, have you seen that? Uh, I have not seen you, it. You have not, or you you still I have, have not? not. It was, until it was sent to us. Ah, okay, until it was sent to us. But you have now. Yes. You have seen the link that he showed us, which was which was crazy. And did you see those ones he did for the last Mission Impossible 2? They were nuts. Yeah, they're crazy. So anyway, you've now seen it. He has a question for us. Okay, here's the question. I know you think Jason Bourne could beat up Ethan Hunt. True. Both of us believe that's true. But who is a better action star, Tom Cruise or Matt Damon? My money's on Cruise. Hashtag tweetback. Matt, this is a really easy question to answer. It's not even particularly close. It's Tom Cruise. Jason, Are you serious? Matt Damon's not in that many action movies. How many action movies is Matt Damon in? Outside of the Born Four Born movies, what other action movie is he in where he's an action star? And don't tell me Ocean's Eleven, because they just rob a bank. There's no action. Uh, so it's the is it the doing your own stunts that really does it? No, that it's does it for you. Well, th- there's that for sure. But I mean, like action star, like action stars to me are like Arnold, right? Um, Will Smith, could you call him an action star? He does lots of different kinds of movies, but so does Cruz. Um, you know, but you look at the best Matt Damon movies, they're not action movies. You look at the best Tom Cruise movies, 
outside of Rain Man, they're like all action movies, right? A few good men, an action movie. Okay, all right. His best. Yeah, that's in his top ten for sure. But you get the whole Mission Impossible franchise, right? Right. The Last Samurai. I've never seen it because it's rated R. But if I had, one of my favorites. Right. Have you also not seen it but seen it? Uh, I've not seen it. I've not seen it, not seen it. You've not seen it, not seen it? I've actually not seen it. You need to... you need to rectify that, buddy. I probably should. Sounds like it. Any it's, cool stunts like this in it where he goes off a ramp on a motorcycle? <laughs> no, it's he's a samurai. So, no. No motorcycles. But isn't, it, but, but isn't that a little crazy for Tom Cruise to do that? Um, I, I'm just telling you, the guy's... Uh, he's he's a different duck, man. He's a different duck. He's just dedicated to the craft, and so he wants the person doing the stunt to be him? Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Because you look at some of these cool the cool some of the cool stunts he's done in Mission Possible enables them to have a front face camera shot on him, right? Which they almost always have to not do in almost every other action movie. I mean, you look at some of the coolest stunts in the original Indiana Jones film, right? Well, it's not Harrison Ford, you know, bouncing on the road behind the truck, right? Um, so, and and because of that, they have to do it from behind, which is fine, right? It's part of movie making magic. We all get it. Um, but Tom Cruise, I mean, to get that him on the, you know, his face as he's holding onto an airplane as it takes off, right? I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, crazy. Pretty awesome. That is crazy. Uh, and by the way, uh, we're doing the show a little early. So if you hear my kids in the background, well, I have kids in case you didn't know. I've not heard them. I, I don't hear them. You may not. I've heard one or two little noises. Um, well, children are meant to be seen and not heard. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That that happens. Not a thing. Yeah, only only if I've got my noise canceling headphones on, and I'm watching them. Are they seen but not heard? Sometimes when they're sleeping, but not even then. Um, Mars, that's at Elder Mars on Twitter, has a BYU related question for us, of course. And it's pretty much BYU from here on out. I feel a little bad. I mean, we're six minutes in, and we're going to just be BYU the rest of the way. It's like a normal show again. Yeah, When did yeah. this start happening? No, this has never happened. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, all right, Elder Mars, scheduling guru, says, How long until Tom Homo announces a ninth game for this season's schedule? So, Matt, over under three days before Homo announces another game what do you over. got i'm gonna also take the over did you read his uh comments that he made on the radio they printed them but he basically said it sounds like he's waiting he's in no hurry to fill it because he thinks there might be better games if he holds what do you think about that i think it's smart i think he's probably right I mean, what's his rush? What's his rush? Why lock yourself down? Why lock down the San Jose State? Don't. You don't have to. Don't. Don't lock down. All right. So in that very vein, Jens Linton, that's at Jens Linton on Twitter, says Boise State, USF. I think he means UCF, I'm guessing. Or Utah. Let's assume he is because it makes the question better. Yeah. Who do you play this year if they're available? 
so let's I'm gonna I think this is what Jens is asking. Which of those games do you want? Boise State, Central Florida, or Utah? If you had to if you could pick one game to add to the schedule. Utah. And I, I don't even blink. Boise State, don't care about Utah. Don't care. Really? Yeah, I'd no, rather play I Boise you State. I think you have to be a say I played and beat a P5 team. Uh, I guess. That's the only P5 team on that list. I'm not picking them because it's Utah or the rivalry or any of that uh, other garbage. Fine. I think it's the only P5 team on the list. That he yeah, it's probably smart. Because if you run the table with the schedule we have right now and you beat Boise State or UCF, everybody's still going to say you didn't play anybody. And no, stop it. UCF might be better than Utah. I, they might even beat them head-to-head. You gotta beat a team that's in if you have a chance to beat a team in a P five conference with this schedule and in this terrain for twenty twenty, I think that's the team you gotta schedule. Listen, I don't if care you, who it is. If you beat an undefeated if you're undefeated and beat an undefeated UCF, that is a way better win than a three loss Utah. It's not even close. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying in general, you'd rather play the P five team, but in this particular season, of course there's a long way to go. And Utah might have zero losses. They might have three, right? Um, they could have five, right? They might be terrible. They might be and terrible. Boise, I don't think they're terrible. But in terrible, your scenario, but... you need Boise State or UCF to also be undefeated. Nah, you don't need There's them to be undefeated necessarily. There's a lot of variables to what you're saying. I'm just saying UCF is, by most accounts, a P5 team. Not in reality, but in how they're perceived on your schedule. I don't know if Boise feels that way anymore or not to outsiders. But definitely used to. Definitely used to. Okay. On a similar vein, John Brain, that's at Johnny Dangerman, he says lots of chatter about adding teams in November that could move the needle as good wins. I can see Boise State, but why would Central Florida want to play BYU? If they win, everyone would say we are just overrated and beat bad teams. And if they lose, they're out of the running for a potential New Year's Six spot. So if you're Central Florida, do you schedule BYU in November, Matt? If it's the best out-of-conference team you can get on the schedule, you do. No. Because if you're UCF, you still have the taste in your mouth from when they didn't let you in the door because of your bad schedule before. No, you don't do it. You don't. They're going to have a good schedule this year. They're going to have a good schedule that their conference is good. If they win what they have, they're going to get a New Year's Six Bowl. They're going to be the best group of five team left. That's all you need. There's only downside to a BYU game for them. There's no upside. It doesn't do anything for them. Maybe it gets them into a college football playoff in some weird, bizarre scenario that's like 0.0001% chance of happening now that the Pac-12 and Big Ten are back in the mix. I, I don't see any upside if you're Central Florida. I don't, I don't know. I think if you're... I think if you're Central Florida and you're looking at this, it, it, I, it, it also depends on what BYU does, right? So if BYU runs the table and, uh, you know, and I guess you're not going to add UCF and Utah or, or, or another P5 team. But if you're UCF, you at least have to think about this in terms of that decision for a New Year's New Year Six Bowl could come down to UCF or BYU if both are undefeated. No, it doesn't. And wouldn't it be great to have beat, have, have beat them head to head? Because their schedule's way better than ours, playing in the American Conference, than our schedule is. It's not half Sunbelt. No, I think if you're UCF, you pass. You try to add a cupcake. You, you, you've, got, you've got the path to the New Year's Six, Group of Five New Year's Six Bowl. 
You're in the driver's seat today. You don't need any help to get into the driver's seat for that. You go undefeated, it's yours. You get it. Here it is. Hand it over. Right? Because Boise State's not going to have enough games to beat them, right? Even if they go undefeated. Um, You're in the driver's seat, I think. But you may be right. You've been right before. Um, Next one, BYU footer that's at Jasonek21. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, Would BYU running the table validate the fact that we belong in a P5 conference? What do you think, Matt? No. No, the schedule's too weak. If you add... If you had two really good games, if, heck, if you put Army, Boise State, and Utah or UCF at the end of the schedule, sure. Uh, I think that would be another slight validation. But with this current schedule, absolutely not. No one's going to think, wow, BYU should be in a Power 5. I think you're going to have a really hard time convincing somebody who isn't already on that train that BYU should be in a P5 conference while running the table on a schedule with no P5 team. Well, yeah. I mean, and if you if merit were the base of this, BYU would have gotten in in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s, right? That's right. And we'd be doing relegation, and Vanderbilt would be in the Right. Finals. Boise State would be in a P5 conference. UCF may have earned their way at this point into a P5 conference. You know, you could make the argument for somebody, a program like Cincinnati has had peaks right uh when utah is the example we will use like they earn their way in the problem is who is their partner coming in to the pac-12 that totally invalidates that argument right is colorado like colorado moved over and you're like oh yeah utah earned their way in well what about the what about the buffaloes what about these jokers from boulder did they earn their way in nope they did not all right, uh, Steve Vraska, that's at Steve Vraska on Twitter, says this. BYU has dominated opponents as much as possible through two games and dropped in polls with the re-intro of other P5s. Are they dependent upon P5 just beating each other up and multiple losses to crack, say, the top 12? If all W's for the Cougs, how high ranked can they get given the schedule and we'll just leave it as t- the schedule today because we don't know what the potential schedule could be so there's a lot here right but i, I think that the base my basic answer to this question is uh how high rank can they get somewhere bet- probably somewhere between 12 and 15 closer to 15 i think they can i think they can break 12 if they if you just keep winning you just keep moving up You know what I mean? The no, fact that we got this running start helps us a ton, right? I know we dropped back, but to already be in the top 25 gives you that running start, right? That's true, and I, a lot of teams benefit from that, from you know being in preseason top 25 and all this Yeah, um, yeah. In, tra- in a traditional season. Um, and sometimes that is what makes it hard for a team like BYU to, to break in, especially early in the year. But I... I, I I think with the other P5 showing up, um, I, I, I think getting into the top 12, I think getting into the top 12 is just going to be tough. Well, I think it's just going to be too crowded. It and, changes. And none of them are playing non-conference games. Yep. So and and people have got to figure out how to think about numbers of losses in this in this weird scenario. They're not all necessarily playing the same length of season. It's just it's just going to be weird. And I think there's going to be 
teams that get the advantage of just brand equity that may not be as good that'll end up in some of those top 12 spots. Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. I I just kind of think Steve's right. They're going to be up on each other. And do you really take a three-loss Pac-12 team over us? And I, I'm going to say no, they're not. Polsters in, historically have not done that, even with a cupcake schedule, if you're dominant, which BYU has been so far. Right? If we're squeaking past a, these guys. What about a three-loss SEC team? Well, yeah, but they're going to be in front of us anyway. That was going to always be true. Yeah, so you're talking about 12 spots. You know, you by the time you get deep into the you get into the SEC standings down to the, a three-loss team, right? How yeah. many teams in front of them will also be ranked? And then you got to, you know, a, a, a team from the Pac-12 with one or two losses. You know, yeah. at least an you had an ACC team or two. I, I just think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to get crowded. It, it it does it does get crowded there at the top. Are you cool with people including Ohio State and Oregon on their ballots? Right now, why? Yes. Why are they on there? I don't understand it either. It makes I, no sense. It makes no sense to me. Put them on the week they start playing, and that's fine. You can put them up at number two if you want, right? But I just think it's silly to have Oregon and Ohio State just sit there for the next five weeks. It's really weird. They may not. They may not end up playing a game. They may never play a game. It's and it's possible. And a week four ranking. Right? Like, why are they? Why would you even list them yet? I wouldn't list them. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't list them yet. How, how, you know, how are you going to defend that? You know, five years from now, people are going to look back and say, "Wow, at one point they were ranked in the top ten or the top twenty yeah. during during this season, where they didn't feel the team," which makes no sense. But you know what this does, in my opinion, is this helps kind of validate the opinion of many of us who believe that early polls are stupid and should just go away. Yeah. Pre-season yeah. polls should go away. Well, Why is anybody publishing any type of poll inside of the first months of the season? Because guess what? You don't know. Well, yeah. And that's the whole point. Well, and then it, on previous performance. And then it affects how they're ranked the rest of the season. Like we just talked about, it's benefiting BYU this year, right? And has benefited BYU. 1984 is a great example of that, right? Cause they'd had a, a great, a very good season in 1983. Anyway, all right. So a couple of questions from JP. That's at JP Finehour on Twitter. He says, I get tired of hearing people talk about it being so sad BYU isn't playing better teams. Please explain to me why I should not enjoy these last two wins. Does BYU need a better quality win to validate their season? So he's got a, he's got a lot of questions, and so we've got more from JP. So... W- why should he not enjoy these two wins? You should definitely enjoy the two wins, right? He should absolutely enjoy the two wins. They are great wins. We crushed the competition. So I I live in Kansas right now. Bunch of Kansas State fans that I know excited about their big win over OU. Okay? And this is what one of my coworkers tells me today on a team's meeting. He says, well, I'm not even sure I like this win because... All it's going to do is set up expectations that we can't live up to for the rest of the year. And I feel the same way about him as I feel about some of the people that are like, well, you know, this just doesn't feel that right. You guys need to, like, check out for like a month or something from sports and then come back or something. Because if you can't enjoy, in this in his case, your team beating Oklahoma, or in our case, 
beating two, by the way, not terrible teams by a lot of points, then you just, what is wrong with you? Why aren't people enjoying this? And I know most of us, I think, are. But I've seen comments to this effect on BYU Twitter, and it boggles my mind why people aren't enjoying this. Yeah, what what a sad way to live life, right? I mean, that's just a sad way to live. Who 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 fans like that? I don't know, but this this kind of work was totally fanning like that. I was just like, dude, you beat OU. It's you should be excited. And in our case, we've pounded two again, not good, great teams, maybe not even good teams, but not terrible teams. And it's what you're supposed to do if you're a good team, right? Is destroy teams yeah. like these. Um, Don't and, get my hopes up. Set up expectations yeah. that you can't live up to. What is this? Yeah, yeah. Who who would That's like insane. to? It's like you'd like to have bad seasons all the time so you can complain. I don't know. All I right. prefer they were just bad, so I didn't get my hopes up. What? That's right. Okay, Eeyore. Yeah, I know. Huh? Like, come on, man. And then he, JP says, also explain to me why I should be happy the Pac-12 is back. Isn't that just taking our chance at a better bowl game and our spotlight is the only team in the West playing? Will BYU be rewarded for taking the risk to still play when others weren't? Well, number one, you don't have to be happy the Pac-12 is back. I don't care if you are or not. I am just because I think it's great for all those student-athletes who weren't going to get a chance to compete this year who get a chance, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That being said, uh, if I hear one more Pac-12 higher-up say this wasn't about money, I mean, how bad of a lie is that, Matt, on like the lie scale? They should just stop addressing it. They should just stop talking about it. I mean, it. the Oregon president says that, and I'm like, oh, so you're starting the women's swim team up? Are you starting cross-country? Like, when's, when's the meet? Yeah, I, I mean, it's just so stupid. They sound so, like, and I know they're pandering to their hippie, you know, um, donors, right? But, gosh, it's definitely about money, right? And it's definitely about crap we are going to get left out of the college football playoff, which if you're the Big 12, they're now really kicking themselves because now their chances are like zero, right? Uh, but um, will BYU be rewarded for taking the risk to still play when others weren't? No, we won't. Not at all. Nobody cares about that. Nope, nobody cares there about no that. There's no reward to be had for it. Nobody cares. The reward was if they didn't play. There was right. a better chance at a better bowl game. But even still, I think we've got a good chance because of our relationship with well, BYU. I, I mean, with ESPN. And, and the, with ESPN, yeah. So, yeah. But I think also part of the reward there is this momentum that you talked about earlier that you get by getting moved up into the rankings when there weren't other teams around. And so there is some reward in there potentially if we were to run the table um, you know, we started out at a higher point in the rankings than we would have otherwise. So yeah. there is some reward to this, but to like be like, oh yeah, we're gonna give you this really sweet bowl game because you guys decided to play games in September. No, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Ryan Crockett has an email for us, and if you want to email the show, you can do it at risingshotpod at gmail dot com. He says it was an interesting scenario that you guys painted last week with a couple teams leaving the Pac twelve to go elsewhere. And I wanted to flesh that thought out a little more. Okay, let's do it, Ryan. All say, right, let's work through this. Let's work through this. Say BYU gets an invite from what remains in the in the Pac-12 conference. Does BYU even want to yeah. join a poorly led Pac-12 conference that has just been ditched by USC, Washington, and Oregon? 
What would the pros and cons be? Given that scenario, the Big 12 is probably toast as well. Is there any way a dumpster fire Big 12 looks more attractive than a dumpster fire Pac-12? The question is, do either of them retain P5 status? That's what yeah, would well, make one attractive than the P5 other. P5 status. That's the one that's more attractive. Now, if everything else is equal, they're just both a dumpster fire and they both retain or lose their status and we don't have an option to join a P5 school, I think I'd rather go to a dumpster fire Big 12. I think that is the more likely for us because if the dumpster fire Pac-12 still has Cal and Stanford in it, we're not going there. They're not going to put us right. in. Right. Um, so I think the better scenario if you're BYU is... You know, USC, these are rumors, right? I don't know if they're true. USC was rumored that through this last negotiation that perhaps they were thinking of doing an independent season. And Utah was talking about leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big 12. I mean the uh, Big 12, right? Or Big 10. Wasn't it the Big 10? Wasn't that the rumor? Is that the Big 10? And then Nebraska. No, it was Nebraska and Utah were going to both leave their conferences and join the Big 12. That's what That's it was. That's right. There That's what go. it was. That That's was the rumor. Okay, I don't know if any of those things have any truth to them whatsoever. But let's play it out for a second. Let's say USC, Washington, and Oregon, and let's throw UCLA in there too because I think they'll probably go where USC goes. Though they don't care about sports, right, at UCLA. I think has been uh, – not their fans, I mean the administration. But let's say it's the four of those teams for just for sake of argument. They decide to leave. What are they going to do? The The great scenario for BYU is if they decide to start their own conference, right? Not join the Big Ten, not join the Big 12, right? And they're going to try to take Oklahoma and Texas out of the Big 12, right? If if you're U.S., yep. if you're those that group. The, the best case scenario for BYU is not the dumpster fire Pac-12, not the dumpster fire Big 12, it's trying to hitch yourself to that 10 or 12 team conference that USC decides to launch on its own. Now, again, all of these things are very far-fetched, though the rifts in the Pac-12 may lead to some crazy stuff come, come conference realignment. Because remember, this isn't always financial or rational. Sometimes these decisions are emotional. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. But uh, to me, that's BYU's best case scenario is that you don't have those hi highly liberal institutions that, in that new group that care whether or not BYU is a religiously affiliated school. Adam, they're worried about research institutions, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it is. You bet. Nebraska to the Big Ten. Big, big research institution. University research of Nebraska. Research institution. Which, by the way, I mean no disrespect to Nebraska. I think it's a fine school. I think the Big Ten snobbery is a little over the top at times, and the Pac-12 research, research, research. It's, it's all yeah, it's all about the academics, man. They don't care about sports. They don't care about sports. Do you believe the rumors that USC was considering independent season and that Utah and Nebraska were going to combine to form a new rivalry and join the the Big Twelve? Nebraska's not going back to the Big Twelve. I, I was under the impression that Nebraska had burned some bridges on their way out the door. Uh, lots of bridges. They were clearly, 
they were clearly not happy with what was going on in the Big Ten, though, around all of the around the decision to not play. Well, At I mean, least Coach Frost. Well, here's the thing. I know I think all in Nebraska. I, I uh, my impression I'm getting uh, like is that up in arms. that that they were all because here's the thing. Nebraska isn't Michigan, right? Like Michigan football's important there, right? And they pack the stadium and house these fans. But if football were to disappear next year, it would still be the University of Michigan, right? Nebraska, it's a much bigger part of their identity as a school, as a state, right, than it is for some of those other Big Ten schools. You know, Purdue probably would not care, right? Uh, in some ways, they might feel like they're better off, right? Um oh, I'm just saying, like, it's not the same thing if you're Nebraska or an SEC school where it is just a massively integrated part of your identity as a school. And people are going to... You're the home, the birthplace of college football, right? I mean, it's just such a strong piece of... Maybe I'm off track. Yeah, you're off track. Uh, But it was a good joke. I liked it. Uh, But anyway, all right, let's move on from this because we got lots of other stuff to go. We're not even to our Y Mountain yet. All right. Alex Saunders says, the announcers kept talking about how impressed they were with BYU bringing pressure only rushing three, but that's not entirely true. We rushed two guys and one Kairos Tonga. <laughs> it's true. It's more than three. Um, it's that first and 15 play in the... Man. Yeah, yeah. It's that first and 15 play in the first quarter. Your O-line doesn't even touch Tonga. You are the quarterback. In just two or three words, describe what you were thinking as he comes barreling towards you. Matt, you want to... You want to give a shot? Um, I could do it in two or three words, but they're all the same word, and I can't say them on this show. That's what's going through your head when you see that guy barreling towards you. Um, you're thinking you're not going to get them ice or toner gloves for Christmas. Do you get the joke? Anybody? No. Uh, ice or toner gloves? Dan Marino, 1980s, the commercials, ice or toner gloves. Everybody's, you're all too young. Sorry. I remember the commercial. I just can't remember who it was. It was Dan Marino. He bought him isotoner gloves for protecting him. Uh, I would say, yes, I thought the same thing. There'd be a lot of curse words. Lots of cussing. Yeah, that's, I mean, and you don't have that much time to think about it, really. Yeah, poor poor guy. Bad things, are, bad things are about to happen to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tonga, that was, that was a great play. All right, Nicoletto, that's at Nicoletto on Twitter, says, Is BYU hurting potential New Year's Six prospects? by taking knees in the red zone, or are the loss-style points insignificant in short run and the sportsmanship is more valuable to the team in the long run, bolstering relations with teams for future games, etc.? Hashtag climb on in, hashtag tweet back. So Matt, interesting question from Nick. Are they hurting their prospects at a great bowl game? Uh, maybe, but both of these margins have been pretty large. That I don't know that hanging up another six points is was really going to mean much. I mean, yeah. these are pretty ridiculous scores. Yeah, I, I think... So I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, if if it, they're having an effect, it is very minimal. And the computer rankings, for what it's worth, won't give you more at that point, right? Uh, a 35-point right. win and a 40-point win are the same. Uh, now, human beings may give you a little bit more uh, but it's not like it was 31 to 16, right? And he decided not to punch it in at the end. 
Yeah, but if you look, yeah, but if you, yeah, right. I mean, if you looked at a score of a game, and you saw fifty-five to three, and you saw sixty-two to three, is there really a difference in your mind between those two games? No, uh, no, not I, no. no there's there not. Is. No, not for me. Uh, but I, I can understand why people want him to do that. I, I just am with Nick in that there are benefits to not doing that. Right? There are benefits to taking the knee. I would just punch it in personally. I think you just keep playing till the game is over. These are all Division One FBS programs we're talking about. You just keep playing. And I'm Steve Spurrier, I guess, right? And you, you want to stop me from scoring a touchdown? Stop me from scoring the touchdown, right? Um, that's how I feel, and I don't – when that happens to us, I don't – I'm not angry at those people. That being said, I think I'm the exception. And I think a lot of coaches, athletic directors, and others view that differently than I do. Yeah, that may be the case. All right. Another email. This one from Clayton Smiley. He says, Dear Rise and Shot Podcast. Well, there's no excuses for that win. Can't blame our opponent's lack of tackling or contact in practice for your performance. Which win was more impressive for you? The run-heavy Navy win or the pass-heavy Troy win? What's more impressive, Matt? Oh, geez, I'm not sure. I Because I, I really struggle. I don't know which is more important, more important, more impressive to me. Um, you know, in the run-heavy game, you had two, you had a couple of running backs that put up ridiculous numbers. And in this pass-heavy game, you have a couple of receivers that are putting up ridiculous numbers. I, I think that they're they're very similar in those regards. I'm going to go ahead and say that I thought the defensive performance in the first game was uh, very impressive. And I'm going to, so I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with Navy just because going into the game and we may see this as time goes on to prove out to be true or not true. I thought Navy was just a better team than I thought Troy was going into the game. Right. Heck I predicted Navy to beat us for heaven's sakes. Good call, Adam. Um, so I'm going to go with Navy, but it, it's very possible that Troy was the better team or an equal to Navy in quality this year. I don't, I don't know yet. It's too early to to say, but I, I'm going to say Navy. I'm going to say Navy. All right. He's next part of his question regarding the cardboard cutout fans. We need some real bodies in the seats, especially given the crowd seen it at SEC games on TV this past weekend. But at least next week. This Friday, since there won't be allowed, there needs to be cardboard cutouts of both of you. Well, go ahead and donate them or whatever, Clayton. Um, you contribute. Yeah, how do you get a cardboard cutout in? There? I don't know. You contribute more to the BYU community than John Stockton or Carmelone. That's true. I mean, I don't know that John Stockton or Carmelone give a, give uh, much of a hoot about BYU sports. There was a point in time where Stockton was notionally interested in BYU basketball for two nights a year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. he certainly he certainly could care less about BYU football in 2020. I'm I'm sure. Well, and and here's the other thing. I had to for one of our listeners had to identify Marie Osmond as who's the lady in the red dress. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And finally, thoughts on the baseball postseason? Go Dodgers. Um, Matt, I'm I'm loving this potential baseball postseason. I mean, the Red Sox are terrible and won't be playing, but it's going to be this crazy format. I have no idea how it's going to play out, but it's kind of been like 
one of those dreams you had as a baseball fan that what if they just opened it up and made it this crazy tournament? This is the year. Yeah, what's interesting is you know, when they first started on this abbreviated schedule, I think people were giving them something like a 20 to 40% chance of actually pulling this off. And here we are, you know, especially early on, there were some hiccups and they kind of figured it out. They got it nailed down. And, and now we're going to get some baseball playoffs, which is cool. Now, I don't know who I'm going to, who I'm rooting for at this point, but um, it sure, I, I think it'll be fun. Actually, you were one of those people that didn't think they'd pull it off. Oh, I thought for sure they would, I, especially after what team was it that had that first Marlins big breakout? Yeah, and I'm thinking, I, like, this is just going to keep happening. Well, and you see, I believe. You know, and nothing against Stuart Mandel and some of these other national reporters that are like, you know, guys, this, there's just going to be games canceled every week. And that may be true in college football because there's just more games and they're not professionals, right? But there is a learning curve here for the schools, for the students, and for the coaching staff. And Major League Baseball went through that. College football is going through that. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 have an advantage in that now their kids can have already seen what happens if you don't pay attention, right? Now, that doesn't mean you won't have problems. Heck, Notre Dame, what did I read? They've got 25 kids in isolation and 14 who've tested positive. So that's 39 players, I think. Mm. That's not good. Mm. No, that's not good. They have an off week this week, and they canceled the Wake Forest game, so they've got two weeks, if you will, to get things straight. But I mean, so I don't think we're out of the woods, both as BYU, our opponents or whatever. I think there will continue to be some cancellations, but I think there'll be fewer, excuse me, week to week, because I think people are starting to figure out like the Marlins did, like some of those teams early on in the major league baseball season. Oh, if I go out and party, I may ruin my team's entire season. Oh, okay, I'm going to stay home and not party, right? And no, I don't want the Dodgers to win at all. Sorry, Clayton. Actually, maybe that's and not true. No, I love Mookie. No thanks on the Dodgers. I love I love Mookie. Mm. I miss Mookie. All right, so now our White Mountain is, how good are the Cougars, Matt? How good are they really? So let's answer some questions to this effect. The first one is from Travis Larson. That's at Larson underscore Travis on Twitter. He says, BYU outworked an academy team in game one and and was more skilled than an athletic fast-paced team in game two. My question is this. That's awesome, right? That is correct. That is awesome. He gives credit to Keith Johnson for bringing this observation to his attention. It is pretty remarkable that you beat an option team and a spread team back-to-back and in similarly dominating fashions on defense. That is pretty sweet. Um, does this, are you off the Tuiaki is terrible train? Uh, yeah, I think he's, he, what he's, he's shown here some versatility and ability to put two different, very different game plans together uh, in order to be successful against two very different offenses. Now, I don't know that, you know, either of these teams are elite, but, I think at least I feel good about the scheming. Yeah, yeah, the schemes were put together. Our brother, Don Mangum, at DP Mangum on Twitter, had this to say. What have been the biggest surprises of the season so far? Um, just the give defense. me one. The defense for you? 
Yeah, the defense has just looked very sound. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say the defense for me has been the biggest surprise by far. I mean, I thought they'd be better. We talked about that in the preseason, but I didn't think they'd be this much better. And don't tell me they're playing crappy teams. We've played crappy teams over the last few years and not look like this defensively. Uh, Justin Whiting, that's at JN Whiting, says, How good is Gunnar Romney, really? Two amazing games so far. What are your predictions for the rest of the year? Matt, how good is Gunnar Romney, really? Gunnar Romney is going to catch at least 100 yards worth of catches in every game this season. No. That's how good he is. Nobody does that. Who's, which, look at the schedule. Who's going to stop him? Oh, I don't know. Somebody's going to start double-teaming him. He's got nine catches for 272 yards right now. He's averaging 136 yards it's, a game. It's amazing. And, yeah, at some point, sure, somebody's going to double-team him. But you know what's going to happen is? Wilson's just going to find somebody else, and they're going to have to come off of him. Uh, you know, and I, and I think that's even more apparent based on what we watched last Saturday night. You know, these other guys can get open, and it's 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 scary. Well, we both looked we both looked really smart because we picked Romney to be the leading receiver in our preseason predictions. Um, I will say this: this is what I thought we were getting when Gunnar Romney decided to come to BYU. And I don't know if he hasn't been healthy, if the scheme wasn't right for him, if it's just one of those things where it just wasn't clicking with him and the quarterbacks because there's obviously been injuries and inconsistency there to a certain extent. Which, which I think has to be a part of a part of what we've seen. Oh, sure, but he is getting open more in these games. And again, you can you can be on the opponent, but again, we've played cupcakes. Worse teams than these two, and he didn't have games like this back to back. So, yep. I, I just I think something has clicked with him and Wilson, and it's just it's awesome. He looks really good. Um, is Mason Wake? This is from Zachary Thornton at Coronado Zach, the most versatile offensive player since Taysom Hill. Is that a stupid question or is that crazy intelligent question, Matt? Um, it's a crazy question. I'm not going to call it a stupid question because I don't think it's totally out of line. I think that, uh, I think Mason Wake has definitely surprised us with the ways in which he's being used, um, and the stuff that he's able to do. But I, I think what you're looking at is, is a guy that wants so bad to be on the field. He's, it, it, it appears to me like he's just willing to do whatever the coaches ask him to do. And it's fun to have a guy like that on your team. It's, it's good to have a guy like that on your team. Um, but, uh, you know, big, fast, athletic guy. I mean, that's, there's going to be some advantages. Now, clearly, like, he doesn't – he's no Taysom Hill, right? And I don't think that's what this question is saying. But it, what other player since Taysom has been even this level of versatile? I, I can't think of one except for um, maybe Zach when Zach's hot and running. I was going to say Algier, who's been a running back and a – and a linebacker? I mean, I feel like there's been a bunch of guys just as versatile as Mason Wake. Uh, I mean, nothing against Mason Wake. I, I just think there have been... I think, Zach, like, I, I, if I'm going to draw a comparison or I have to say somebody on this team is the most versatile, and, and, and I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm confusing being versatile and being dynamic, but I'd, have, I'd probably say Zach. 
Yeah, I, that that could be. I, I mean, I think maybe what Zach is saying, what Zach Thornton is saying, not Zach Wilson, is guy that could play multiple positions, right? Because Wake could be a halfback. He could be a fullback. He could be a tight end. And quite frankly, you could probably, if you let him beef up, he could probably play on the offensive line. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing what he could do at linebacker either, right? And maybe that's what Zach's talking about. Somebody, because you and I have had this discussion. Raise your hand if you think Taysom Hill could be a a starting defensive player in the NFL. My hand's raised. Is your hand raised? My hand is raised. Yeah. Had he come up as a defensive player, I think he'd be in the NFL as a defensive player. And, and maybe that's what Zach's talking about, versatility. Zach Wilson is not playing defense in college. At least well, not as high Taysom level Hill as he does played, quarterback. We didn't line, but we also didn't line Taysom Hill up at tight end. We did not, but man, he would have been good at that. Sure would have been. He would have been great. Um, so I don't think it's a stupid question. I think Mason Wake has a lot of versatility. I love what he brings to it. And if you watch his high school tape, which to be fair, I did not until this year. I had no idea how good he was in high school. So we barely knew who he was, right? I mean, yeah. he was he, he wasn't a name that everybody nobody was. That's part of what makes this fun is a breakout yeah. season. Yeah, and people does, didn't see it coming does, for him. Does Rod Gilmore do anything but read the press guide and do a couple interviews ahead of time before his games? Isn't it great? Isn't it just great? He's just so unprepared for anything besides the three or four things that he's decided to say ahead of time. And he does so many BYU games. I just don't understand. He should be like almost like a home announcer, but he isn't at all. No, I'm def- well, definitely not. That. And definitely not from his house. Uh, Jeff Johnston, that's at Jeff J BYU. He has the big question for us, Matt. Call this the Why Mountain question. All right. True or false? This is the best overall BYU football team since 2009. Matt, is this the best BYU football team since 2009? No, I don't think it is. Okay, which one's better? Uh, 2011, maybe. Nope. Nope. That's wrong. And maybe 2016. I would say I'm not with you on 2011. I might be with you on 2016. I'm going to say true. It's the best team since then. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to say. 2011 was know. not a good team. That was, I mean, not a bad team, but they that was a weak schedule. And they didn't dominate teams like this team's doing. Right, they did beat Mississippi, so that was a good win. Lost to Texas, destroyed by Utah. Remember that. Beat a decent yeah, Central Florida hard. team. Beat a bad Utah State, or was Utah State good that year? I might be m- missing up years, but I think Utah State wasn't great that year. They they didn't destroy anybody but Idaho State and Idaho and New Mexico State. Right, they didn't have big wins. Navy's better than any of the teams they beat big that year. Troy, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, it might be 2011. You might be right then. You might be right on that one. Let's see. 2016 was your other candidate. That's Kalani's first year. Went against Arizona. Losses to Utah, UCLA, and West Virginia. We were there. Um, nice win against Toledo. That shocking win at Michigan State. Mississippi State. Loss at Boise. Huh. Eh. 
you might have you might have an argument on this one. No, and and they did. They I mean they crushed they crushed UMass right. So they they did blow out. Yeah, but UMass was worse um, than either of these two teams. Right, that's like true, but they but they beat them accordingly. Yeah, but they they barely beat Wyoming. Lost a game they should have won at Boise. Yeah, lost a game they should have won against West Virginia. Oh gosh, yes, and probably Utah, and probably Utah. Oh yeah, this this season kind of makes me sick to my stomach. But see, but see, the thing is, if I if I take those the losses away from the season, away from the schedule in 2016, and I say wins against Arizona, yes. Toledo, yeah. Michigan State, Mississippi State. Cincinnati, Southern Utah, UMass, Utah State, Wyoming. Is that schedule more impressive than the 2020 schedule? And oh, I'm easy. Say yeah, that yeah. It is. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not even – yeah. I mean, we've got one good team on the schedule in Houston. Maybe Navy turns out to be, uh, you know, top 40 team by the end. Probably not. So you've got, what, one top 40 team on the schedule this year in Houston, and that's not even a given. We'll see if they're top 40 because the poor Cougars have not even got to play yet, right? And to my knowledge, have not had any problems with COVID. And they still haven't played. They've not had a case, but all of their opponents have, which is just insane. Just stinks for them. Uh, It just stinks. I mean, look at his coaching staff then. Offensive coordinator was Ty Detmer. Tuiaki was there. Lamb was still there. But you had Ben Cahoon, Reno Mahe. Much different group than his current staff. Interesting. Totally, totally different look. Totally um, I think it, time will tell, Jeff, but this could be the best team t- since 2009. If they keep winning like this and then you throw Boise in at the end of the season or some other good team or two and they win and go undefeated, I, I think even with the weaker schedule, I think you'll you'll be able to make a case that this is the best team since 2009. Do you think that's true? A lot of ifs in there, granted. Wait. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs in there. That's hard. Yeah, yeah, but do it. Um, do it anyway. This is what we do here. We do hard things on this show, buddy. Uh, yeah, you might. You could make a case for that in that scenario, I think. But, uh, you know, I, but it, you know, it, these things are hard to compare. I mean, this is always – it becomes kind of a matter of opinion. There's no oh, factual my gosh. or statistical way to really draw Oh, it my gosh. You, you talked about being like uh, Eeyore. Thanks, Eeyore. Of course, of course, you can't know. That's the fun of it. We debate and yell at each no. other. I'm going to say no then. How's that? Is that better? That's fine. You can say it because now I can say you're wrong. See? See how much more fun that is? Yeah, no. that, that is a lot more fun, actually. Yeah, it's a, a lot more fun. More fun. Uh, but I don't know fun. what this team would need to do in order for me to put them in that category. I, I don't know what I need to see. They win every game. You know, by fifty points or more. I mean, what 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 do they do? If they, that gets me if there? they do I'm that, sure. that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, their margin of victory right now is unfreaking real. To have two blowout wins like this in a row is pretty rare, regardless of the competition you're playing. It's not the. I mean, it's not like you know, um, super super rare. But if you look at BYU historically, there've been very few teams that have beaten teams like this back to back. And neither of them are FCS, right? Or UMass. I mean, Troy is yeah, a decent program. All right. So we'll get out with the game, and the game will be a little over-under for Louisiana Tech and the game on Friday night. Which, by the way, BYU is currently favored by 23.5 points. 
Okay. Over under on that spread. Are you taking Louisiana Tech or BYU at 23 and a half? But on the spread? Yeah, yeah. On the oh, spread of 23 and a half. Yeah, well, t- whatever, oh, dude. Spread at 23 and a half. I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking the, I'm taking BYU. Yeah, I'm taking BYU. BYU is 2 and 0 oh against the spread so far this year. Interestingly enough. Um, over under BYU getting 595 yards of offense. Going over. I'm also going over. Over under 325 and a half yards passing for Zach Wilson. Over. I'm going to go under. I think oh. I think it's going to be a run dominant game. I think at watching think we're that tape go back to a run dominant game, huh? Well, if you if you look what Troy tried to do especially in the first and second quarter is they were worried about the run game, right? And their safeties got caught looking in a bunch in the first half. And I think Louisiana Tech is going to try to play it more honest than that. And then that's going to just leave some massive holes for Katoa and Alger, right? Uh, I just don't think he's going to need to throw for 300 yards. Now, of course, he didn't need to against Troy, right? But Troy did okay against the run early on, not later. It, it got it got ugly, but um, well, the wheels kind of came off there in the third yeah, quarter. Yeah, wheels kind of came off on there. And over under curse words out of the quarterback's mouth. We'll put it at four and a half when he sees Kyrus Tonga. Over <laughs> under four and a half swear words. That's an easy. That's an easy bet. Take yeah, me over. Sorry, I should have done like nine and a half, huh? That should have been the line on that one. I mean, I see. I mean, Tonga will have. Over under Tonga at one and a half sacks. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm Matt. Taking the over there. All right, Matt. Prediction time. What's your final score? Obviously, we're both taking the Cougars since we took the took them on the twenty three and a half line. Uh, I've got a final score of forty two to three for the Cougs. I got forty five to seventeen. So I think I think uh, Louisiana Tech puts up a little bit of points. In junk time, uh, but oh, and that's the one I didn't do. Over under Gunnar Romney, one hundred and fifteen and a half yards. Over. I'm going to take the under, but just under. I think he may get a hundred yards again, uh, but maybe not quite as much. And how much is this? does that sting that he doesn't get the that amazing catch down to the one? He doesn't get the TD out of it, or does it matter? That's lame for him. I mean. I, I thought he was in, but... Did you really think he was in? When it first happened. It oh, yeah, yeah. I thought he was in when it first happened, but the replay was pretty... I, I thought, You know, it's funny. We make we get on the refs all the time, right? I, I have to say, like, a couple of those calls that I was questioning live watching the game, they were right on everyone. Right? They, they, they did a good job, I thought. The refs in both of these games did a good job. I mean, it's easy to say because you win by a bunch, so... You know, it's uh, it's something. And by the way, are you watching the NBA playoffs at all? Uh, I've not watched any. I've watched a bunch. And it's really entertaining basketball. Uh, it's been fun. The Nuggets were kind of fun, unless you're a Jazz fan. Sorry, Jazz fans. Um, NBA officiating is so bad. It's so bad. It's just like every time I watch, I'm like, 
Like, it's so inconsistent. Even with replay, they get stuff wrong. I don't know. It's, it uh, blows my mind. But uh, um, would it be cool if BYU, if BYU could somehow do a bubble for the rest of the year? I mean, it's totally impractical with a bunch of college students over the course of months. But it would guarantee that we wouldn't cancel any more games, at least because of us, right? Yeah, I think it is impractical. It would probably be useful, but I. It, but it sounds to me like some of the stuff they're doing might be the next best thing. Yeah, get might Zach be the Wilson next into his own apartment for Pete's sake. Yeah, get him in his own apartment. And, and why he's... do you have four of star players from the offense living in the same house? No, not not this not this year. So when I worked at a company not previous not to my current company, there was no joke, and maybe this is true where you work today or where you've worked in the past. You only could have so many executives fly on the same flight together. Have you ever heard of rules like this oh, at companies? Yeah, I've heard of rules like this. Yeah, yeah. And that that one company that I worked for in the past, that was the case. It could be it was over a certain level and the max was four could go on the same flight. So to some big meetings where we had a lot of people there, you would end up having some executives have to fly on some really crazy flights or they would use the company jet too, depending on how high up they were. But um, but it was just kind well, of funny. A couple days early or something, right? Yeah, it was got kind of funny because I was not on a flight, and then the admin moved me onto a flight, and I'm like, in a better flight for me, better schedule. I'm like, sweet. And I'm like, why did you move the flight? She's like, oh, I had to move an exec off the flight. I'm like, wait a second. They don't care if I crash down in that plane? Nope. nope. So you weren't, you weren't on that list? I was not on that list. No, no, I was not on that list. They're like, oh, it's just, it's okay if Mangum goes down. Yeah, Mangum goes down, we'll be fine. He's he's fungible. All right. Replaceable. He's Yes. Well, that's what fungible means. We're all interchangeable parts. Oh, my gosh. You're both repetitive and redundant. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening. We will be back next time, uh, next week, to talk about, I don't know, another game, right? And we have another game? Yeah. Playing like, football, dude. It's like we've got games over and over again, um, which will be sweet. Hopefully, everybody can stay healthy on both our side. And uh, who's the next one? UTSA, San Antonio. UTSA, right? the Roadrunners. Yeah, the Roadrunners. Because what's Louisiana Tech? They're the Bulldogs. Aren't Bulldogs. They? Yeah, yeah, that's boring. Roadrunners. That's exciting. Roadrunners has a unique nickname. We yeah. need more unique mascots. More unique mascots. That should we'll be t- a focus of our conversation next week. That should be. We'll talk about that and Bearcats. Right? Because we love talking about Bearcats. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening. This is a reminder. If you like this podcast, I, I say this at the end all the time. Tell people about it. Tell people, other BYU fans, that they should listen to this show. They might enjoy it. Don't be shy about it. You know, don't be shy. Tell don't be people. Afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. Tell people. Tweet it out. Retweet it. Put it on Facebook. Tell your grandparents. Tell your neighbors. Tell your. Uh... Send it out snail mail. I don't care. Yeah, snail mail. That's super effective nowadays. People love snail. Actually, I think it's more effective now. Effective, really. If you, if, if you send somebody a letter now, wouldn't you be excited to get a handwritten letter? I don't even know that I would find it. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, actually, for you. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening, and we will catch you next time. Yo, Cougars.